Good morning. Today is May 3rd, 2023. Welcome to Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, episode 358. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Andy Nakamura, Stephanie Lukowski, Matthew Necci, all the Dolphins, Marcus Seiler, John De La Cruz, Joel Belton, and so many more, including you, Simply Cyber community members, will be tearing off the roof of the top cyber news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, there's going to be value for here, value for you here. Believe that. Be sure to engage in the networking because it is all good people in here. Suckers not allowed. Bad vibes not allowed. Good vibes only. So Chill out, settle in. We're going to have a great show. Before we get into the show, though, I do want to shed some love on the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Brandon Poole over at Panopsi Security. Panopsi Security is a full-service security consulting firm, but one of the things that they do exceptionally well is quantified risk assessments. Jerry, what's a quantified risk assessment? Is this the heat map thing? No. Heat maps and risk assessment outputs are typically qualitative. A quantitative risk assessment takes longer Cost a little bit more money, but the output of a quantified risk assessment has more value than a qualitative risk assessment. Good, fast, cheap, pick two. Quantified risk assessment is, is um, well, I guess it's not good or fast. <laughs> it's great. Uh, it takes some time and costs a little money. So what does it do? Basically, you come in, you look at the people, process, technology. You look at the overall industry, the threat modeling, you assess the current state of the environment, and then you output, and this is where the value comes from, a fact-based, statistically sound output assessment that the business can use to inform themselves on how to invest money, resources, what to budget, should they hire more staff, should they buy a new EDR solution? I don't know, but a quantified risk assessment will tell you that. So if you're looking to do actual strategic planning the correct way, instead of just writing checks and you know trying to buy your way out of infosec uh risk um consider panopsi security links in the description below also want to throw a little love towards my friends over at xm cyber xm cyber all about that all about that um exposure management that's the space they're playing in continuous threat exposure management y'all organizations yours mine Big ones, little ones, they're all overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across cloud and on-prem, especially in a hybrid world, which many of us currently live in. And on a monthly basis, more and more exposures come. So officially reducing the risk of those exposures is nearly impossible. In fact, I would even say it is impossible. I don't I don't know how many, I don't know. I, I've never seen or heard of an organization that's capable of removing all exposure. Now, you can discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. It's a quick read. It's probably 20 pages. 
A lot of great intel in there. It's based on telemetry from XM Cyber's client base. So it's real telemetry, real statistical evidence. Uh, the TLDR here is, guys, you want to focus on mission critical, uh, like choke points, really gross exposures. You can't treat all vulnerabilities equal, basically. Misconfigurations, security patching, mismanaged creds. They're all problems, but not all of them are equally bad. That's what exposure management is, and that's what XM Cyber is all about. So go click on the link below in the description. It would actually go a long way towards helping me and help support the channel if you do click on that link. Uh, and also uh, Barricade Cyber, but we'll get more of Barricade Cyber and all that delicious Eric Taylor action at the mid-roll. Now, I want to remind you, if you are here or watching on replay, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So be sure to document it by saying, what's up? Take a screenshot. Do what you do, but just know that this is an instructor-led webinar. I would, you know, I've looked at the policies for ISC Squared and ISACA. I would argue that I do know what I'm talking about and that I am leading a webinar right now on a threat briefing. So if that doesn't qualify, then you tell me what. Like, is it, is it just a cash grab? Mm-hmm. All right. So how might you say that you're here? How might we do a roll call? Well, obviously it's Worldwide Wednesday, so we're gonna knock that out. But first of all, if you're team live, say team live in chat, please. If you're team replay, um, I love team replay. You guys know that. I engage with you in the comments. Love seeing them uh, throughout the day. So hashtag team replay. We've got some regulars in there um, that show up on the regular. Um, that's why they're called regulars, LOL. But uh, just, you know, Make sure you get credit for being here, basically. Uh, also, hashtag Team Hybrid. If you came in late and you're catching up or you uh, had to step away and pause the stream, catch up, get live. Let's be here together. Finally, my friends, passive observers, trying to get you to step into the networking light. We got a good one. Hashtag Passive Observer for you. Take your first step into networking with other uh, security professionals and people looking to get in the industry. I guarantee you this. And chat, if, if someone wants to have this conversation, go for it. I guarantee you this. Anybody, anybody in chat right now, out of the 158 people who are here right now, any one of you who have pivoted into cybersecurity from another field, tell me if networking was valuable. Tell me if you would wish you'd start networking sooner. I would, I would argue 100% of you are going to say, it mattered and you wish you had started sooner. That's how confident I am about how important networking is. So please, you know, break free of the shyness, break free of the uncomfortable, lean into uncomfortable because that means you're growing. Hashtag passive observer in chat. What's up, Alana? Good to see you. Emil, good to see you. Hey, Kayla Sturgeon. All right, took a slug of coffee. All right, now guys, it's Wednesday, which can only mean one thing. And I do love that ACI Learning teamed up. World, oh, hold on, let me, I got a little logo thing here. Yes. Worldwide Wednesday is presented by IT Pro TV. Now IT Pro from ACI Learning, the international online training solution that professionals in audit, cybersecurity, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. Use promo code SIMPLYCYBER30. You can see it on the stream right now. Use the promo code SIMPLYCYBER30. 30 
in the uh, you know checkout or whatever it is to get 30% off your first month or first year. It is an awesome platform. I also want to remind you, thank you, Carrie, for um, making me mindful of this. Obviously, if you use my affiliate code, um, you like I get an affiliate fee, right? But you can use my link uh, that that's in the uh, the pop down chat, right, to go to IT Pro TV. But instead of using Simply Cyber 30, um, and I don't know what the code is, but if you're a veteran, a first responder, or a teacher, you can get 60% off. So again, as much as I would love you to use my co code for affiliate fees. What I want you to do is save the most amount of money possible. So use 60% off code if you're a veteran, a first responder, Jeremy Williams, I'm looking at you in the boo-boo bus, or a teacher, get that 60% off. IT Pro TV is pretty dope. And also, I'll be giving a talk with uh, ACI Learning, the same organization, on May 25th. Many of you have already signed up. I can't wait to see you there. It's going to be like a Simply Cyber Raid. It's an ACI learning uh, event, but <laughs> it will make it a Simply Cyber one. I guarantee it. Let's do that. All right, guys. So what mods, I'm going to get you ready here, please. All right. What we do every Wednesday, if you're new here, is for just a couple minutes, I am going to ask you uh, to tell me where you're from. And we are going to go around the world. This is my favorite part of the week. Yes. All right. So holla, holla, holla. Tell me where you're at. Carrie Chasing, bringing it on United States, Texas. Where you at, folks? Sicily's in the house. My man Tom's always going to be representing Italy. Big, big city, Texas. What's up, NYC? Afghanistan in the house. Boom, I got Afghanistan, Virginia. Canada's in the house. Thanks for bringing us on, Maple Leaf State. Whoa, England's in the house. Hold on, crap. Coming hot and heavy, guys. West Virginia, Cali, Big Wisconsin, Big Cheese, NYC, Loco VA. Love it. What's up, New York? Hey, Maryland. Big Crab Country, besides Charm. Easton, PA is in the house. DC, Botswana checking in. Boom, we've got Africa online. What's up, Jupiter, Florida? I see you. Hey, Puerto Rico. Uh, I, it, it's going to be hard for me to get Puerto Rico, so you're there. I know you're there. Got the ATL, my man. Love me some... Yeah, Chucktown, South Carolina. I love it. India's in the house. I love it. Australia, thank you, BSEC. Dominican Republic coming online. Thank you, Leonardo. Always here to support. Minnesota. Oi, don't you know. Thanks, Shane Prevost. What's up, Germany? I see you. Thank you very much, Alana. Hampton VA's in the house. Jamaica. Jamaican me crazy, am I right? All right, just, just remember Jamaica's here. I can't get to it because it's so small. Czech, uh, Czech Republic. Yes, all right, we got Chechia's in the house. Vietnam, thank you. Boom, look at us. We've got Asia, we've got Africa. Where's our South America people? Come on, man. Illinois, jam, jam, jam. I love it, Vietnam's in the house. Great to have you. We are international, M5 coach. We're, we're living large, man. It's Worldwide Wednesday, south of Cuba. We got Jamaica online. Peach State, Atlanta GA's up in here. I do love me some Outcast. All right, we've got it. We've got it going on. Cup, just a minute left here. Bien. Ricardo Benavides, 
What's DPNK? Is that North Korea? We're not doing North Korea. Uh, Milky Way, Robin Williams. Oh, okay, all right. Guys, really quick, we've got about 25 seconds. Anybody in South America? Central Georgia's in the house. I love it. We got a strong Peach State contingency. 197 of you. We're coming down to it, guys. What are we doing? What are we doing? All right. Looks like we're rounding out. Kind of came in hot and heavy and then uh, petered off there, man. Wow. All right, Kentucky, I see you, bluegrass. South Carolina, I do love it. Left coast in the house representing Peru. We're going to get Peru. Boom. Yes, people. All right, guys, I got to tell you. We just ran the world. We got North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and Australia. Holla at you. This is fantastic. Congratulations, everybody. Well done. Simply Cyber is truly an international community and one that I am just super, super happy of um, because it further, it further confirms the inclusion. It further confirms the inclusion that we are striving for here in Simply Cyber, okay? Boom, all right. Well, having done that, congratulations, everybody. I want you to sit back, I want you to relax, and I wanna let the cool sounds of the top cyber news wash over you in an awesome wave. Thanks, everybody, I'll see you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. Authorities seized nine crypto exchanges used for money laundering. A joint operation conducted by the FBI and Ukrainian police seized nine crypto exchanges used by cybercriminal groups to launder profits from illegal activities, including ransomware attacks and online fraud. The authorities seized the domains and underlying infrastructure located in the U.S., Europe, and Ukraine. Most of the platforms offered users live support and instructions in Russian and English covering a broad spectrum of cybercriminal communities. All right, all right. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right, so here's the deal. We heard of the large crypto exchanges like um, B, uh, BTC, uh, FTX, and Binance, specifically Binance where they there's this thing called like know your customer and it's it's basically legislation that requires crypto exchanges and really any financial exchange to validate the human that is opening the account and the idea is that it's going to curb down on uh, fraud also Ste thank you stephanie for reminding me so um these large crypto exchanges finally, you know, they basically like North Korea stealing hundreds of millions of dollars. Ransomware is everywhere. But guys, you got to remember, if I if I rob James Randolph, right, for 200 million bitcoins, right? Oh, my God, I'm so rich. I am so rich. You know what you can buy with 200 million bitcoins? Nothing. It, like you can't go to Target and buy a toaster with a bitcoin. I cannot pay my water bill with a bitcoin. I can't buy property with bitcoin i need to convert it into something and that's where these exchanges come in that's the whole point right now because like every other business you know if there's a market for it uh business will will crop up right no no one's selling 
I guess what what is something that no one would sell uh, anymore? Like no one's selling uh, modems, yellow pages, um, rotary phones, right? Like you wouldn't get into the rotary phone business right now because no one's there's no market for it, right? But a cell phone business, a cell phone repair business, there's a market for it. So obviously, whoever was running these exchanges was like, hey, you know what? There's a ton of criminals with a ton of cryptocurrency that absolutely need to get it converted. Let's let's get a piece of that action. Let's get a little, let's get a little taste. So 24X BTC, 100 BTC, they're opening in the United States, in the UK, all these places. And basically, you know, they're like crypto exchanges, but essentially they were built out for criminals to exchange and do money laundering for all intents and purposes. And these exchanges were probably trying to pretend, uh, like feign ignorance and be like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We, we do, we do have customers and we do know your customers. And I bet you anything that their, uh, processes were completely, um, transparent, maybe only documented for the intent, uh, for the intent of having it to give to an auditor. It was probably bullcrap. So way to go law enforcement for giddy up on this. I'm telling you what, guys, if we're ever going to combat ransomware in a meaningful way, you have to hit it from everywhere. Like just good antivirus, anti-malware, EDR, that's not going to stop ransomware. You have to nerf it across multiple dimensions. And if you get rid of the ability for the threat actors to convert the cryptocurrency into a value into a currency that has value or into something that has value, um, you you further nerf it because why, like Fin7 will just go back to actually robbing straight bank accounts because if you're sitting on a ton of assets that have no value, then you're not sitting on anything, right? So anyways, way to go law enforcement. I'm super pumped about this. I hope they take down more. I hope they take them all down. Get Get them, get them, get them, get them. T-Mobile discloses second data breach of 2023. On Monday, T-Mobile said it experienced a hack that started on February 24th and lasted until March 30th, affecting 836 customers. The data exposed varied for each customer, but potentially included name, contact info, social security number, government ID, date of birth, and account info, including T-Mobile account pins. The hack is the second to hit T-Mobile this year and the company's ninth since 2018. Okay, so T-Mobile uh, continuing to highlight that they cannot protect your data. Um, they got hit uh, again, uh, second time this year. I might remind you that we're not even halfway through the year at this point. Um, and the information that got leaked was pins, which is not good, right? Because that's how you call in and, and adjust your account. You give them a pin. So there you go. Threat actors now would have access to your account by dialing in your social, your government ID, your date of birth, right? So social, government ID, and date of birth, that's enough to get you probably through most screenings. Like you call a credit card company, you call Netflix, you call Amazon, whatever. I can provide you social, government ID, date of birth. Um, I could probably open a bank account. You know, you know what? You know where this comes in right here, guys? Remember how I just told you um, these crypto exchanges, um, bad guys want to launder money? North Korea has been doing a lot of this. They will use stolen data, just like this three pieces of data, and a uh, AI generated or a, a, a deep fake photo 
and open a bank account on Coinbase, and then they'll take ill-gotten gains and uh, uh, funnel them through the legit account that they created. They're only getting about $50,000 out of the account USD before the account gets flagged um, and, and shut down. But, but the thing is, it's like, you know, Kimberly McKnight, T-Mobile client, opens a Coinbase account and is like helping money mule um, money that came from Lazarus Group's hack of Bank of Bangladesh, right? Now, Kimberly didn't do that, but it'll look like it. You know what I mean? So this 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 has bigger ramifications than like, oh, T-Mobile, you suck. Like, just because you gave me a like coverage everywhere and a free iPhone upgrade doesn't make it okay. As a quick joke, as a quick joke, uh, thank you, Josh Mason. As a quick joke, um, Kimberly had shared with me in, in uh, mod chat about um, Johan Ulrich, the guy who runs uh, <laughs> the guy who runs Sans Internet Stormcast, had said that uh, this particular um, consecutive amount of hacks has made has made T-Mobile the easiest and cheapest way to maintain perpetual free credit monitoring. It's cheap. <laughs> it's cheaper to just have a T-Mobile account. Um, and, and just have it continue to get hacked than it is to pay directly for credit monitoring. It's a little tongue in cheek, uh, but I do appreciate Johan Ulrich with the jokes. Uh, very, very funny. Very, very cool. Godfather of AI quits Google. Oh, this one's scary. Misinformation dangers. Jeffrey Hinton, known as the godfather of AI, has quit Google in order to speak freely about the dangers of AI and in part regrets his contribution to the field. Hinton, who helped to develop Google's AI over the past decade, said he believed the company to be a proper steward of the tech up until Microsoft started incorporating a chatbot into its Bing search engine. Hinton expressed concerns about the possibility of AI upending the job market and added that he was also concerned about the, quote, existential risk of what happens when these things get more intelligent than us, end quote. Shall we play a game? Okay, so this one really does concern me. I'm going to share a couple things with you here. Some of these are not original uh, takes, but uh, one of the areas that I personally go, so here's a Tidbits Tuesday on a Wednesday. One of the places I go, I, I don't really like mainstream um, media, but one of the places I like to go online for uh, news information is... Uh, breaking points. This this YouTube channel, Breaking Points. This is Cigar and Jetty, and this is Crystal Ball. He's a Republican, she's a Democrat, but they're not like hardcore, starchy people. And this is their news program that they produce and they make. They used to work for the Hill, and because they own this, they report on what they want versus what their producers tell them to report on. This particular segment right here, as you can see, is on this story. I watched this last night. I'm going to copy it in chat. Don't watch it now because I'm we're in the middle of the stream here. But here's the deal with this. This guy right here has won the Turing Award for computing. Okay. He's basically won the Nobel Prize for computer science. Okay. For his contributions to AI. He's been doing AI work since the 70s. Um, he was at Google for a long time. He actually went to Canada to work for several years because he didn't want um, Pentagon money, Pentagon funded research because he didn't want it to be weaponized. Um, and some of the things, so he quit Google, okay? He quit Google 
not because he's fed up with Google, but because if he doesn't work for Google, he's free to speak his mind. He's free to share his thoughts. And he's basically at the end of his career. So like, what's he care? Okay. Here's the deal. Here are a couple TLDRs. Because Google was a good steward of the technology and keeping it tight and, and allowing research to happen, but not whatever. Once Microsoft partnered with OpenAI, it became a real threat to Google's business model. And now we're talking, cash, and when that happens, guardrails come off, executives get involved, and things get opened up, okay? So there's that. Second of all, AI is moving at an incredible speed. We don't know how it works. The genie's out of the bottle. And one of the other things he said was, it's very much like um, nuclear weapon research. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but hear me out. It's basically a race to the bottom now. When, when you, you can't, even though like those 1,100 people signed a petition to stop AI research for six months, the genie's out the bottle, okay? So you can't say, you, you can't say like, oh, everybody stop because some faction of people aren't going to stop and then they're going to have an advantage. So if it was like nuclear weapon research, right? And everybody was like, hey, the, these nuclear weapons could really like annihilate humanity. Why don't we put a pause on that? You know, some countries would be like, yeah, no problem. We'll put a pause on that and keep working on it. That way, when the pause ends, you're significantly ahead in the research and development phase, right? So you can't put a cork on this thing. And now it's like a race to the bottom to see who can get the fastest, strongest, smartest AI. And, um, you know, it's really, I hate to be such a wet blanket, but this is, uh, you know, a, a bit of a scary uh, existential threat. I mean, like to say AI could end humanity, right? Like, and I know I, I've said Skynet before on the stream and I've had people in comments flame me saying like, oh, like how, how dare you like sensationalize this? Here's my thing. If there was a, even a fraction of a percent, right? If there was any chance greater than zero that AI could wipe out humanity, wouldn't you think that that would be something to be concerned with? So again, I'm not trying to be sensational here. I'm not trying to be, ooh, like look at me for the clicks and the views or whatever. Like I'm telling you, like you should, I would recommend you check out this Breaking Points article. I, I would recommend you check out this thing. Another thing that they mentioned in the Breaking Points that I thought was interesting, do you remember that Google engineer who said that Google had a sentient uh, AI and it had like emotions and stuff and it scared the crap out of him? That guy was horribly ridiculed. Like, like mocked into, um, like mocked unbelievably, right? Well, now we've got another guy who basically is the leading expert in the entire world on, on AI saying that it's kind of scary. And then the final thing I'll say on this one that he pointed out, and it's very true, right? Another thing he said, and it, it, didn't, it didn't occur to me until he said it. Okay. ChatGPT4, very cool, right? All this AI stuff, very cool. We are looking at the consumer version of it. If you think for a second, the version that we have is the bleeding edge version, the version that the US Federal Department of Defense has access to, the version that the Google engineers are working on in the lab today, right now, then you're sorely mistaken. There's no way 
that they are releasing to the public the newest, fastest, smartest, real, borderline sentient versions of this AI. That obviously, right? Like, I mean, just the example. Cigar, um, uh, um, cigar, uh, Jesus Christ. The the version cigar uses in the story is like when you buy a computer like say you bought the fastest newest computer today at best buy like dell and intel are working on newer faster computers today that aren't going to come out for 18 months right same thing with this ai so i you know i hate i hate to um be a wet blanket or anything like that but just you know this is a real thing this is a real thing one password explains scary secret key and password change alerts. Five days ago, one password revealed that it experienced an incident causing users to receive alarming notifications that their passwords had been changed. One password chief technology officer Pedro Canewe said that notifications were erroneous and were caused by routine database maintenance and not by a security breach. Kanewe explained that the 1Password client application incorrectly interpreted error codes sent by the company's U.S. servers responding to a spike in sync requests following a back-end database migration. And now... Yeah, you got to be careful, guys, whether it's 1Password or it's your bank or anything. When you get an email or a notification that says your secret key or password was recently changed, that's literally... That is literally a detection control that is implemented into an overall cybersecurity program. So you can respond, well, detect, respond, and recover as fast as possible. The entire reason you get a notification that a password change has just happened. What's up, Shakira? Good to see you. The entire reason that you get a notification that your password has been reset is a detection control. The reason that you have to like validate a couple pieces of evidence before you can change your password is a protection control. Protection and detection. There's two different types of controls. There's actually another one, but it's escaping me right now. I'm sure chat's gonna blow up on it. But my thing is, when you get this message, the system and the people have been trained to be like, this is a detection control. I did not do this. There must be a problem. Holy crap. Because by the way, when you get this message that your password has changed, this isn't you getting like pushed a 2FA token, meaning that someone knows your password and they don't have the second part of the credential or the authentication. This means that they've changed your password. This means that A, you've been locked out of your account and B, some other threat actor is up in your account. So very, very scary. First of all, I'm glad that um, this was a maintenance issue. This was a a misconfiguration of some type of um, um, error code, but damn, this is scary. Um, this is a little bit deep. This is more for an optimized cybersecurity program, but you might want to be prepared um, to handle a situation when something like this happens because it is incredibly troubling, incredibly disruptive um, to be able to... to communicate out, hey, this was a maintenance issue, this was an error, don't worry. Like, Not necessarily have the language set up on what the message is gonna be, but having the approvals, having the uh, the ability to email all hands or all customers uh, in a very expedient manner. And, I, and the reason I say it, I'll share one example. We had a, um, ba basically, I forget what it was like, it was like 2016, 2017, Emotet, <clears throat> Emotet had like, resurfaced okay 
And we needed to communicate out to our entire user community, like like 14,000 people about about something. I can't remember exactly, but it had to do with like the Emotet. Like we couldn't block it or whatever, but we needed to get a message out to everybody in the community or end user community, right? This is when I worked at the uh, multi-billion dollar medical university. And we couldn't, we didn't have access to mail, uh, email, like all hands, right? You know what I mean? Like you can't, not everybody can email all 15,000 people, right? That would be insane. So we had to go through a process and get approval and public relations wanted to like tweak the message and all this other crap and the communications people needed to weigh in on it, right? It was a big mess. Anyways, we got approval three weeks later. We didn't even send it anymore because the the threat had already like come up. We dealt with a bunch of infections and then we, you know, it moved on. But my point is, if you don't have a mechanism for being able to communicate in an expedient manner when it when it really warrants it, then you run into situations where you're basically uh, hogtied and unable to communicate and really reduce risk. So just a little, um, I guess, a little snake eyes, the more you know, uh, you should definitely consider developing some type of workflow, um, like break glass in case of emergency type thing to be able to email all hands. Word from our sponsor, Trend Micro. Cybersecurity is not just about protection, it's about foresight, agility, and resilience. Navigating a new era of cyber risk demands evolved strategies, new frameworks, and integrated tools to equip security teams to anticipate and defend against even the most advanced attacks. Trend Micro, the global leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities around the world in their latest Risk to Resilience World Tour, the largest cybersecurity roadshow of its kind. Find the closest city near you and register today to take a leap toward a more resilient future. Just head to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. Yeah, love me some Trend Micro. All right, guys, if you're new here, this is what we do every mid-roll. If you're a regular here, hey, hey, hey. Internal Stranger, we did have an Australian contingent. We did run the world. We ran them all. We got all of them, so it was great. Guys, I want to take a minute and... Whoops. I want to take a minute and thank all of you for being here. 260 of you. Super pumped. Glad you can make it. For those on replay, glad you could catch it. Thank you to the sponsors who allow me to deliver this um, absolutely... Uh, free per se. I do have to run the ads now at the beginning and end for Team Replay. But for the sponsors for allowing me to deliver this to you guys. Holy crap. Barricade Cyber Solutions. Bring in the heat. Let me tell you about Barricade Cyber Solutions, one of our sponsors. Thank you, XM Cyber and Panopsi. Listen, guys. Barricade Cyber Solutions. Yes, the same Barricade Cyber Solutions that just dropped a 50 spot in chat is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also, check out the squad membership that you're, many of you are receiving right now. Giddy up on that squad membership. Thank you, Barricade Cyber. Thank you, Eric. For the squad membership. Very, very cool. All right, guys. If you got... 
I know everybody's overwhelmed with the amount of squad memberships dropping right now, but if you can, take a minute, hit that like button. You're welcome, Jalal. Take a minute, hit that like button. It goes a long way for helping other cybersecurity people, people who are interested in cybersecurity, people who work in cybersecurity, find the channel. Basically, YouTube, Margarita, can someone help Margarita get the membership? You have to, you have to enable the ability to receive sponsorships, Margarita. All right, guys, I want to talk about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge for a minute. Uh, Robert uh, Benavides, Roberta Benavides, Robert, uh, I'm sorry if I'm getting the name wrong, but uh, that he was our Simply Cyber Community Challenge member yesterday. Um, I believe he posted, I, I, I think I saw it, but I didn't have a chance to comment on it. Uh, I saw him in chat a little while ago. If he can tag somebody, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is, is taking that passive observer aspect I talked about. Ricardo, thank you, Ricardo, I'm sorry. Thank you, Ricardo, thank you. Thank you. Ricardo, if you can tag someone, we'd love whoever Ricardo tags to accept the challenge. Go on LinkedIn, post your cyber why, hashtag simply cyber community challenge in the comments. Connect with the poster, connect with the people who are commenting in chat and build your professional network. That is the deal, y'all. This is an opportunity for you to build your own professional network with like-minded cyber professionals and have a meaningful discourse in your streams on LinkedIn. It will go a long way, believe me, into giving you value, okay? And being able to network and share and learn and contribute and, 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 and receive Believe me, it is incredibly, incredibly valuable. So Ricardo, if you can tag someone, please uh, accept the challenge and we'd love to see your post on, um, on LinkedIn. Now guys, I wanna let you know too, uh, just stay tuned. We have a premiere happening right at the end of the show today, a produced video on beating imposter syndrome. I'm actually gonna share a couple personal stories of myself of when I've dealt with imposter syndrome, which even to this day, uh, I have certain things that really uh, make me uncomfortable that I still lean into. And I'll give you tips on uh, breaking imposter syndrome and making the best of it. All right, so thanks so much, everybody. Let's get back into the news. Crypto exchange hacked after two security audits. Hackers exploited a vulnerability in the Level Finance decentralized crypto exchange to drain 214,000 tokens and swap them for Binance coin worth approximately $1.1 million. The hackers took advantage of a logic bug in the claim multiple function that allows users to repeatedly claim referral rewards within the same epic or time period. The company said the attack did not affect its liquidity pool or the DAO treasury. However, its tokens lost roughly 50% of their value immediately after the news of the attack went public. Although Level Finance had undergone two independent audits this year, the hacker still found a way to exploit the exchange using bugs that had not been identified. Yep. Okay, so this is pretty cool. Uh, first of all, hold on, where we go? AJ Gomez? What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks for the super chat, AJ Gomez. And yeah, hey, cheers to you too. Love it. Guys, here's the deal. Um, I got a couple things to say on this, okay? So first of all, obviously, 
I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. Just because you get a security audit does not mean that you're secure. First of all, first of all, let me do this. The story here is that this particular uh, uh, crypto exchange uh, was exploited in a way, not hacked where people's wallets got stolen. Basically, the exchange itself got hit because every time you refer a friend, you get like two free Binance coins or two free LVL coins or two free Flamin' Donkey coins, whatever. Oh, actually, we do have a Flamin' Donkey emote, right? We'll, we'll use a lot of Flamin' Donkey if we can. Flamin' Donkey is our new APT and, and go-to for anything. So I refer BSEC and Kimberly to this platform and I get one Flaming Donkey token per per referral. And all they did was look in the source code, discover that um, the referral doesn't, uh, the reward for the referral doesn't look to see if you've already received a reward for the referral. So basically what they do is they just replay it wicked fast before the time, uh, some type of time um, passes, which I guess is what they were using for the uh, the validation, whether or not it's been reused or not. And they were basically just like leveling up, right? Do, 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 do. It's like that old Super Mario one-up hack on level like uh, five one, uh, where you can just like if you you jump far enough away from the turtle at the end where the the ramp is to the flag, and you could just get like infinite one ups. It's basically that, right? They're just rinsing and repeating wicked fast. Okay, so it is a web application platform hack essentially, um, not a hack on the exchange itself. Now, having said all that, it's important to know, and this is the real takeaway, in my opinion, for you from this story. They got an independent auditor. Auditor came in, looked at all their security controls, was probably looking at their controls holistically. This control right here, you could do a full NIST 853 high-level baseline, which is the, the most stringent. You could do that, and you would not have caught this issue, okay? When you do those type of security control investigations, you're looking at the at the at the organization how are the people managed how is access managed how is everything done it will not get into like code level review there are controls in this 853 at the high baseline that requires you have people doing those processes but it doesn't talk about you know it's not prescriptive to say like oh you got to check every line of code and the efficacy and use these tools right so this this was a bug this was a vulnerability in the logic of how the platform was validating the, re the referral and the reward for the referral, okay? No level of control scrutiny would, would have caught this. The only thing that would have caught this is if you had really involved QA, QC code reviews, which did, get ready for it, use case testing for fringe cases, okay? That, like... Dude, when you do uh, software review and you look at the 80% of, of use cases, yeah, obviously you're going to catch all those. It's the 20% where the red teamers live. It's the 20% where the APTs live because they're looking at all the fringe cases. All right? So just be mindful, dude. And I say this all the time. I say this all the time. You will never re remove all risk. You will always have some residual risk, period, full stop. The only thing you can do is make sure that you put in detection controls and have, you know, adequate response and recovery processes to limit the amount of pain and suffering that you get from exploitation of that residual risk. All right. That's all I got to say about that.
Private GPT tackles sensitive info in chat GPT prompts. A data privacy vendor called Private AI has launched a redaction tool aimed at reducing the organizational risk of employees entering sensitive info into ChatGPT. Private AI's new Private GPT platform integrates with OpenAI's high-profile chatbot automatically redacting 50-plus types of PII in real-time as users enter ChatGPT prompts. Private GPT sits in the middle of the chat process, stripping out everything from health data and credit card info to social security numbers before sending user prompts through to ChatGPT. All right. I mean. All right. So they've got uh, kind of a middle, a middle filtering mechanism to keep employees from accidentally entering PII. Um, this would indicate to me that these businesses are already allowing their staff to use ChatGPT for business processes that would involve PII. So that's concerning and interesting. Um, secondly, as far as I know, there's been no indication on what Microsoft or OpenAI is doing with the massive amounts of data sets that people are just throwing into it. Um, so there's that for a concern. Um, I mean, obviously, I actually just read. I thought it was going to be in the news. Let me see if I have access to this. Yeah, look at this. Why would they do this, Jerry? Here's a pro tip. ChatGPT confirms data breach. Okay? Eric Taylor shared this last night with me. Um, I didn't go into the story yet, but, you know, they will have data breaches. It's just a database. It's, I mean, it's a really big, rich, complex database, but it's just a database that people just access. You could probably ask ChatGPT. Come on, you know they are aggregating. Yeah, okay. Um, all I could say is, I bet you you could ask ChatGPT how to access. Like if you did it in a in a in a, a certain way, you could probably ask ChatGPT how to um, exploit and get access to the data set behind ChatGPT. That's how fast we're moving here. Travis F accepting the baton. Looking forward to it, Travis. Um, in the chat. If Ricardo sent it to you, I, I would assume he did. Um, I, I'll ask Jenny Housley. Jenny, Jenny manages the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, so I'll, I'll just defer to her. Um, so anyways, whatever. This, this doesn't surprise me. People are sticking all sorts of stuff. There was some report. I think it was like a Samsung engineer had put like intellectual property into ChatGPT. People aren't thinking. Dude, here's another thing. Like you really should educate your end user community around ChatGPT. It's like one of those ones. Like kids, not kids, but like, under 21 year olds are going to drink alcohol like not all of them but some will so if if it's going to happen in some capacity at least educate them on it right same with like doing drugs or smoking cigarettes back <laughs> back when that was a thing right now that's like a, your social pariah so we don't or doing um jewels is that what they call those things or vapes vape pen things um you, you just gotta educate them same thing here right maybe maybe your organization doesn't want to use chat gpt but you know people are going to use it at home people might use it uh, at work on their own time so just you got to make them mindful of it and tell them about this this private gpt we'll see how it goes here's the thing i don't understand where this sits is this like an extension that sits in between you and the browser is like because if that's the case if you're using api direct calls you're not going to get access to this if this is a different gpt that's built on top of chat gpt which GPT are you getting? 3540? Are you paying private GPT in an extra fee? 
So it gets a little complicated. I like the idea in theory, but we'll see where it goes. NYPD pushes. The thing, the thing is, AI is moving way too fast. People are like coming up with all these ideas and it's, it's moving faster than humans are able to develop controls and, and, and solutions and, and policy and really think about what is going on. So this is just like, I don't know, man. Like to me, this is a perfect example of like, it's like a runaway train that's doing like a thousand miles an hour when it really is only uh, graded for like a hundred miles an hour. And it's like rocking on the, on the train tracks all over the place. And like, you're literally just trying to like bolt on, you know, a cow catcher in the front and like, you know, like you're trying to like secure it and figure out what the heck's going on while it's, it's like uh, barreling down the tracks. Tags to fight surge in car thefts. New York City Mayor Eric Adams and the NYPD are urging resident car owners to equip their vehicles with an Apple AirTag. During a press conference on Sunday, the mayor announced the distribution of 500 free AirTags to New Yorkers, saying the technology would aid in reducing the city's surging car theft numbers. NYPD's public crime statistics indicate there have been nearly 4,500 vehicle thefts this year, a 13.3% increase compared to the same period last year. Coincidentally, on Tuesday, Apple and Google have come together to develop an industry specification to combat stalking via their AirTag and SmartTag tracking devices. Shortly after the companies released their tracking tags back in 2021, reports of privacy abuse violations became commonplace. Apple is also currently entrenched in a potentially very costly class action lawsuit. Samsung, Tile, Chipolo, Eufy Security, and Pebblebee, who make similar tracking devices, have all endorsed the new standard. Apple and Google hope to have a production-ready version of the specification by end of this year. All right. Um, okay, so AirTags, really well-known. AirTags are like these little devices that you can stick anywhere, and basically they kind of leverage the fact, at least in the United States, uh, they leverage the fact, my understanding is that they leverage the fact that like a lot of people have Apple devices. So these things can piggyback on those Apple devices and effectively show up on a map, right? So like my wife, um, my beautiful wife can take her phone and find where I am, but really it's showing her where my phone is, right? My phone's always on me. So it's usually a good indicator. That's where I am. The AirTags are basically a poor man's version of like LoJack, right? So you can throw it in a car and off you go. Obviously, AirTags have been weaponized for nefarious activities. Creeps will drop it in a um, victim's, well, a, like a creep would drop it in like a woman's purse and then follow her home uh, and then attack her, right? So that's kind of like the, uh, it, like the gross, scary example of how people are weaponizing AirTags. But... The NYPD is asking you to put an air tag in your car, and that way, when your car gets stolen, apparently there's an epidemic in New York right now of uh, um, car theft and grand larceny. Especially, they say Hyundai and Kia. Remember the the Kia boys released a Instagram video on how to quickly steal a Kia or Hyundai. So th th these are all these things. The only thing I can think of is like you've really got to. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> B-Sex saying people can drop him in a car and follow him in the car. The idea is that basically a creep can follow you and track you, okay? Now, here's the only thing um, that my, immediately comes to my mind. Um, 
once you put it on, you're tagging your car, right? So effectively, the police, if there was a police state, could know exactly where you are, could know exactly who you visited, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, uh, as I'm doing like the risk calculation in my head on real time right now, because I don't see these stories beforehand, um, since most people have a phone on them at all times, you're not getting any additional value by saying like, oh, I saw your AirTag in your car parked at the loading docks at 2 a.m. What were you doing? Because they could say, I saw your phone at the loading docks at 2 a.m. What were you doing? So I don't think there's anything like extra nefarious by the um, the law enforcement where you'd want like, you know, oversight on what they're doing. Um, I kind of like the idea. I also find it, I also kind of find it like a sad state of affairs that the NYPD or law enforcement in general is basically asking um, private citizens to um, subsidize uh, the cap the you know the police um, capabilities. So like if you basically, I mean, air tags are like thirty bucks, so they're not cost prohibitive. But if you're just like rent in New York is wicked expensive, right? So if you're just making end meet and you can't buy an air tag, like your your car is less like more likely to get stolen and not recovered. That kind of sucks. So there's that too. Um, but this is basically a poor man's version of Lojack, right? Lojack back in the day was like, they'd find your car immediately. So anyways. Google to remove security. Actually, yeah. Jazzy Jazz brings up a good point. Like, why don't insurance companies... I guess the thing is, if an insurance company provided you an AirTag, you might not put it in your car, right? <laughs> you put it on, like, whatever else you want. Put a tag on a squirrel, that's right. Website indicators in Chrome 117. On Tuesday, Google announced that its beloved lock icon, long thought to be a sign of website security and trustworthiness, will soon be replaced with a variant of the Tune icon. More than 99% of all web pages are now loaded into Google Chrome over HTTPS. However, Google noted they don't want users to assume these sites are safe, pointing out that nearly all phishing sites use HTTPS and therefore also display the lock icon. The lock icon will be changed in Chrome 117, due for release in September 2023. All right. And you know what? Strummy83 does make a very good point. If you can afford a car in New York City, you can afford an AirTag. That's actually a really great observation, Strummy. Uh, I know it's... It's kind of like funny, but it's also true. All right, guys, we're at 8.55. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. The, the quick TLDR with this is that Google's basically saying that 99% of websites at this point are HTTPS, so we don't need to use the little lock anymore. Uh, they're going to switch to this like little tuning thing. You can see it in the graphic right here. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely educate your end user community. This is a quick little one hitter. Tell them that the lock is going to go away and it's going to start looking like this because we have trained our people to look for the lock. So when it changes, there's going to be a little disruption. They may not think it's secure. Um, this is a quick, easy win to let people know that this is changing. A lot of people use Chrome. I could even imagine Firefox and Brave, etc., moving towards this as well since Chrome has such a market dominance that they'll want to uh, hook up and subscribe and, and like align with what Chrome's doing on this case. So that's the TLDR here. Also, really quickly, a quick round of applause for us. Can, what, what would be best? Um, quick round of applause for all of us. Dude, it used to be the other, like back in the day, like nothing was encrypted. Clear text all over the place. Let's Encrypt went a long way to help websites get encrypted. 99% are encrypted now. Way to go. I'm going to call that a win. All right. Um, now, 
for unencrypted websites, we'll just throw those out. Just an excuse. Um, just an excuse to use the yeet sound. Really quickly, we've got the uh, beat imposter syndrome live stream. Uh, excuse me, beat imposter syndrome produced video dropping in just a few minutes. When I end the stream, it's going to automatically bounce you over there. But what I want to say really quickly is two things. While you're waiting for that, I actually dropped a little short uh, on my on, on Simply Cyber yesterday. If you're interested, it's a quick little chat GPT hack. On, like literally, it's like a 30 second video, 45 second video. It's a chat GPT hack to change, uh, optimize your resume and write a cover letter for you for a very specific position right in like 30 seconds. It's awesome. So please, um, you, you know, take advantage of this if you can. And um, and then come on over to the imposter syndrome stream. I'll meet you over there. Um, appreciate you all being here today. Congratulations, Worldwide Wednesday, for running the gamut. Jeff Fuller. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Jeff Fuller. All right, guys, I'll see you over in chat on um, the premiere for beating imposter syndrome. Thank you all very much. Apologies to NCC Group and Base Case for going over. As always, you guys are the best. Thank you until tomorrow, or actually until uh, two minutes from now, stay secure.